Welcome to Leader Secrets Revealed, tapping into the tips and tricks of great leadership. And this is for new and emerging leaders and people who report to leaders and want to know how they can influence them to be even better. Enjoy. Are you a new or emerging leader who is wanting to know what successful leaders do differently to mediocre leaders? Then this podcast is for you. We bring you inspirational guests who share their leadership secrets. I'll also be recording my own episodes where I'll give you tips and tricks to oomph up your leadership skills. My name is Mari Burgess and welcome to Leader Secrets Revealed podcast. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. And if you're a regular, thanks for your support. I'd love your feedback, which you can leave at mariburgess.com. Our guest today is someone who works in the disability sector. She's a mid-level leader and she uh, works with multidisciplinary teams, which we'll talk about. And she's focused on leading her team in a sector that can be challenging and where the clientele can be very vulnerable. We'll be hearing her story about leadership, some of her tips and strategies to build a high-performing team and make her team feel safe, and also her leadership secrets. So I'd like to introduce Maya Georgic, uh, who is currently a team leader in the disability sector. So welcome, Maya. So welcome to Maya Georgic, who is a team leader and currently working in the disability sector. Thank you, Maya, for joining me on this episode of my podcast, Leader Secrets Revealed. You're most welcome. I'm really um, grateful for having this opportunity to um, perhaps share some of the strengths or skills that I have um, or have developed over the years in leadership roles. Fantastic. And, you know, as you know, this, this podcast is called Leaders Secrets Revealed and I'm really looking at anyone who is a leader of any sort and I particularly am interested in your story because you are in the, the middle management part. Uh, so you have some additional challenges perhaps that are different from people who are more senior leaders. So tell me a little bit about your leadership story. Sure. So um, I'd like to think that over the years, so I've, I've worked in um, community sector for in various roles for over 16 years. Um, I'm very committed and passionate um, in making a difference within the community um, and just simply making an impact and, and making a better place for everyone where I can. So um, I would say that I lead from the soul. Uh, my leadership is really established in being, um, sort of leading from within. And the story that I suppose that resonates with me that I wanted to share um, stems back uh when I worked in a residential facility in out-of-home care sector, so working with very complex youth um, on the ground um, initially as a youth worker but also worked in a you know, supervisory role. So something I've learned working in a very fast-paced, quite challenging environment with, with kids with trauma is that in order to be able to help them and, and simply assist staff in, in managing some of the complexities that do change within a minute is really knowing yourself. Um, so kids certainly, and particularly kids that come from trauma background, they do push your buttons and you very quickly, whether you like it or not, you tend to go within. Um, and, and I sort of something that I've learned very quickly, I learned about myself, I learned about my own triggers to be able to self-regulate and manage in order to be able to support um, young people, but also to be able to support staff who may be re-triggered and may re-trigger their own trauma. So um, 
something that I've ser- I've certainly grown, I'd say, in that phase and, and as an individual on a personal and professional level, something that I've learned to, so being able to self-regulate, um, I've, I've certainly, I would say that, you know, that having that being intrinsic motivator myself, you know, something that I've learned to sort of go within, you know, motivate myself, know what my, you know, perhaps what, what my triggers are, um, allows me to connect to people on a level um, and, and also support them to, um, to be able to function accordingly. Fantastic. Thank you very much. What a, what a wonderful way to learn about yourself and step into leadership and what a challenging area to, to start with. You really did get thrown in. It seems like you got thrown in at the deep end, working with youth, particularly troubled youth. What sort of help did you get along the way to, to help you step into this and work out what your triggers were? Uh, I can't say that I had a standout person over the years in terms of uh, perhaps leaders or mentors. However, what I have done, uh, I've picked up on some of the strengths from different people uh, and different, you know, leaders that I've had over the years or managers that are congruent with me. Um, And I really looked at those strengths, um, how I can develop within me and you know, I did a lot of self-development stuff. I, I did trainings um, externally. So really looking at, um, you know, picked up different sort of strengths from different leaders and then, you know, I've, I've learned from them um, and something that sits with me and resonates with me to be authentic leader. Yeah, fantastic. So I want to move into the leader's secrets section now to really dive into what are your innate strengths here because we all have different things that we bring to our leadership roles. What if you, um, so you've worked with multiple teams from the sounds of it. So as well as being facing outwards and working with uh, people in the community, you've also been managing teams and you're currently doing that at the moment. So what have you learned most about building and leading teams and particularly high-performing teams? Absolutely. So um, specifically uh, I will talk about perhaps more the current um, space. So working within the disability sector and uh, it's been interesting and across two multidisciplinary teams that I'm managing, um, I've learned that having forming a clear foundation in order to have an effective high-performing team, it's really important to set the foundation uh, that is built on trust and safety Um, and clearly understand that we all play a part within teams, within different roles um, and really being able to get to to know the team really well. I think understanding the human need as well that we all act out of need and response. So I understand people on that individual level that, when, you know, how they act when they're stressed, how they respond and be able to raise that awareness for them to learn to self-regulate, um, to understand their own triggers because in, in a sector that we work in, uh, it can be quite challenging working with, um, you know, people that do uh, participants come from all sorts of backgrounds um, across lifespans, so providing supports, um, and hearing their stories, being able to capture their stories is really, really important and do it well uh, and being aware that it is their story uh, and that there's no transference happening while that's happening. So I suppose uh, to, to be effective, um, you know, leading from the front, being able to self-regulate, um, being able to connect um, staff on individual level to be able to self-regulate themselves 
uh, understand their parameters and also, uh, you know, use um, organisational values as a compass that is aligned with their own values and be clear on operational requirements. So that has really allowed me to be able to create a space that is quite dynamic to have an oversight of the rhythm, know the staff individually, but also provide supports that are reflective of their needs so they can actually do their job effectively and stay connected. Great. Can I go back and touch on multidisciplinary? You said you're currently across two multidisciplinary teams. Tell me more about that. That that is a term used a lot in health and a lot in community areas, but not known so well, say, in corporate or other areas. So what does that mean to you? So what it means, uh, people, that the staff that we're working, that I work with, um, they may not necessarily have the same uh, mental health understanding or, I suppose, disability understanding background. Uh, which means for me to be able to, you know, we have diverse skill set across two teams. So what it means to be able to focus on their individual strengths that they bring and different um, different perspective, I suppose, and, and looking through different lenses to be able to connect that to the needs has been really valuable. So it, it's, I think it's it's really, um, it, it's got its own challenges, but I think there's a, there's a lot of value and strengths in having diverse team and multidisciplinary team and being able to pull their strengths and align them with, with expectations within the sector. Yeah, fantastic. You also mentioned how it, you have to build that foundation of, of trust and safety. And I actually want to start with trust, but I want to come back to safety as well. What for you is the secret to building trust with the people you work with? Um, leading with humility, so um, being transparent, being very clear on what the expectations are, but also working as a team in terms of forming foundation that we want to create. Um, I'm very big on that. The fact is that we're, you know, creating a healthy workplace. So we spend more time with our colleagues uh, at work than we do with our own family. So I think it's really important that we create a space that allows people to be themselves um, and within the context of their roles. And I think, you know, creating that safety, because without safety and without trust, we won't be able to, um, you know, see people thrive. We, we want to shift that from survival mode into thrive mode. And I think that's, that's a starting point. I love it. Thanks. Um, okay. So you've, you've brought safety into that. And certainly what I'm across is all the work that Amy Edmondson is doing now around psychological safety. Are you talking about psychological safety? Uh, or are you also talking about physical safety? Uh, I would say both, but more so psychological safety. Um, I mean, we are faced with uh, circumstances with, um, you know, we have unplanned sort of walk-ins, people with um, significant mental health who do come in through our door and needing to manage that. So being able to assess the risk yeah. um, and being able to respond accordingly. So there is a level, it is a, a small level, but there is a level of, of you know, physical safety, physical safety that needs to be considered. Um, but I would say psychological safety um, is absolutely crucial um, to ensure that, you know, people are able to just sort of function on, on, a, on level and feel safe to be, to be able to retain information, to respond, to have a voice um, and also to be able to do their work effectively um, and sort of transfer that because 
we are about choice and control. So it's really important that that is transferred across and seen within a team as well. Fantastic. I totally agree. Uh, and certainly, particularly in the field that you're working with, psychological safety is absolutely crucial, uh, even more so than, because I talk about a lot in, um, in corporates and in other health fields and, not, and other not-for-profits, uh, because it is how do we feel safe to come to work? So with what you're doing now, or even in previous roles, as a, a mid-level manager or a mid-level leader, what are some of your biggest challenges? So biggest challenges are being, so perhaps shifting from uh, one, you know, managing up to managing down. So shifting from one interaction to next. So I think it's really important to, so it's really going from that high to low power interaction styles um, and being able to use soft skills very effectively. So I think being an effective communicator is a must and being able to self-regulate um, because my role is pivotal in communicating what the expectations are, uh, more so coming from organisational strategic level and contractual agreements, but also being able to transfer that into a meaningful way that staff can connect um, and be able to deliver the expectations and ensure that they are engaged and motivated across. Right. And so what's the biggest challenge you face with that? Um, just ensure that um, that the staff continue to be motivated because sometimes we do get uh, requests, last-minute requests that come through from uh, from senior level and being able, which may not always be well received by the team, um, but transferring that in a way that um, is meaningful and being able to find a way to connect the staff to why we're doing what we're doing. Um, is a challenge and it can be a challenge at times because sometimes we, we do get staff that may be opposed to request and, and may disagree because it may not be aligned with who they are. So being able to connect that and, const and, and also sometimes work on individual level um, with staff to help them understand why we need to action it accordingly to ensure that it does not affect the team and team dynamic. Yeah, thanks. Uh, okay, so... I want to touch on delegating now because uh, I think we all, even if we're not leading people, but especially if we are, we have to be able to to delegate. Do you find that that's crucial in your role? And if so, what are your tips around delegating well? Delegating is absolutely crucial in a role. Uh, something I've learned over the years, uh, particularly as, um, as I've developed and progressed further in my career, is that... Um, and I think that's a sort of challenge with middle management, you know, shifting from being on the ground and then being, you know, within that sort of team leader role. You can easily get um, immersed in being hands-on and wanting to be hands-on. So uh, understanding that that's not helpful uh, and that, you know, if, if I do that a lot, then I'm not balancing with being able to support the team, support the requirements and so forth. So... Um, delegation is definitely crucial. So I have learned that, um, you know, knowing my team really well on individual level, um, knowing where they're at and their strengths um, allows me to delegate accordingly and trust that they can follow through with, with, with the tasks that have been delegated effectively, but also, not, you know, reassuring them that I'm there if they require any support to making sure that 
you know, it gives them the positive experience, but also that they that they uh, knowing that they will, you know, complete the task on time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so overall, what would you consider your top leadership tips? So tip, top leadership deal tips would be um, knowing knowing your why. I think knowing my why, what drives me, uh, my clear sense of purpose enables me to focus on what actually matters to me um, and it does really compel me to take those risks and push forward. So, um, again, going back to being intrinsically motivated, um, I think it's really important and, and sort of sitting with being authentic in that leadership uh, really makes it much easier then to transfer that onto the team and, and, and motivate people on that level. Um, so knowing your why, I think leading with humility um, and being able to self-regulate is absolutely crucial. So if I'm, uh, I'm also mindful that if I'm reactive um, in, in my leadership, that, that really transfers across the team and it's not helpful we, you know, we don't want to create this crisis and, you know, sort of team dynamic, which is not helpful for anyone. Um, and also uh, valuing time is really important. So I'm very big on time management and valuing my own time, but also time of others. So just because, you know, within a team we have different roles, teaching people that, you know, if someone comes up to you, you don't have to respond straight away if you're already doing something. So, you know, being really effective in utilising tools and utilising calendars and resources and, and, and just planning your day in a way that allows you to complete the set tasks and starting from the morning um, and for me also, uh, you know, modelling that to the team so that we do not create this jerk reaction across the team and uh, also enabling people to be on top of, um, on top of their, their workload. You started with knowing your why and from absolutely from a leadership point of view, it is understanding what's the big picture here. How do you tie your why into your team's why and it's a multidisciplinary team, so maybe that's a more complicated why, but then how do you build that into your organisational why? Um, so certainly I think, as, as I said before, you know, getting to know your staff uh, being present is really important. I, I'm very big on being present amongst the team, you know, just really uh, feeling the pulse, setting up the rhythm, getting to see them in, you know, in action and, you know, providing feedback, informal and formal feedback, but also welcoming feedback. So knowing my why starts with, um, I mean, within the team, using supervision uh, to get to know staff, um, set it up in a way that, um, you know, what they want to develop, what they want to learn, um, you know, help them connect to their own why. And once, you know, they are clear on who they are and what their moral compass is, I think makes it much easier than connecting to the values that we have. And every morning, because I do morning briefings where we literally have those values up on the wall, um, you know, around successful environments, you know, uh, team culture, service excellence and so forth. I often refer to those and, and make sure that we're on track, um, making sure that we are connected um, and then also looking at a bigger picture and vision, being able to transfer that. So um, I think being able, for me, being able to know my own why has enabled me to support others to connect to theirs and then to connect organisational because ultimately I'm there to support them to be their best and 
that really has been helpful for people to find their space and place within and to be innovative, creative, um, and also make a difference in the community. And, and it really creates that level of trust and, and just, you know, so, um, health, healthy culture. Fantastic. I love it. Um, I'm going to move into the next section now, which is around daily habits and a learning mindset. You've mentioned some of those just in that last answer around your day-to-day, but what are your daily habits that keep you on track and make you a successful leader? Routine is crucial. So, again, um, going back to time management, I think as a leader, um, and and I think for anyone, we we just can't seem to get enough time and enough hours in a day. Um, So having a consistent routine enables me to sort of plan and execute what I've planned for the day and plan for the next day. So I start the day with um, gratitude. Um, so just, you know, being thankful for, um, you know, what, what's working for me, being positive, being optimistic. I meditate for a little bit. I get up at 5.30 in the morning. Um, I also go for a morning run um, in the morning. So just to, it just really sets up the pace for me. Um, and I'm in the office usually by 8.20. I, I sort of get onto the computer, check my emails, um, check what needs to be action for the day, start the day with morning briefing, and from there on um, that allows me to have a complete movement uh, or oversight of the team for the day and also mitigate any risks that we have. Um, and that's the space where we also share some positive stories and have, it, have, have you know, use humour, just have some laughter around what might be happening and, and how we can ensure that we have some fun along the way as well. Um, and you know, I usually finish around five. Uh, I'd say be- between five and nine is family time for me because I do have two young kids. Um, so, again, parking work at work is really effective, so making sure I don't take work home with me and just being able to, um, you know, focus. To, so being present is crucial. So that's a big part of you know, being where I'm at, so being present and dealing with circumstances as they arise and moving on to the next. I, I don't believe in multitasking. I think it's really important to focus on one thing at a time. Um, and then in the evening, I usually spend a bit of time uh, once, I'd say between 9 and 10. Um, it's a bit of my reflective space where I either read, journal, I also paint. So I do a bit of art. So it's my space to sort of reflect on the day, ensure that I'm aligned with my priorities and sort of perhaps plan for the next. Fantastic. Thanks. Uh, And so what about keeping your mind sharp? What sort of, uh, do you listen to podcasts? Do you have books that you would recommend uh, that have helped you in in your leadership journey? Absolutely. Um, I absolutely love reading and podcasts. So I would say um, Simon Sinek is great, all his books. So start with why, Leaders Eat Last. They're really great books. Um, I often go back and forth and, and refer to different books for different things and different quotes, and which I share amongst the team to keep us motivated. Another one is Lean In from Cheryl Sandberg. Um, and also because I do go and lead from within, as something that really resonated with me is the book from Deepak Chopra, which is The Soul of Leadership. Um, it's a great book uh, around, uh, you know, being able to connect to yourself first in order to perhaps connect to others is really important and understand that. Maya, do you have any parting advice for emerging leaders? 
Absolutely. So uh, be present and lead from within. Um, understand that your relationship with yourself sets the tone for every other relationship that you have. And I will end with a quote of my favourite, Maya Angelou, and that's something that I quote quite a bit. Um, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, so people will never forget how you made them. I love that. I absolutely love that quote. Thank you, Maya. This has been an absolute delight. Thank you. Likewise. Really appreciate your time. Thanks. You can find more about Maya on her LinkedIn profile. The address will be in the show notes. This was a great interview and my um, first interview with someone from the disability sector. You can get the show notes at mariburgess.com in the podcast section. If you'd like to be a guest on my show or know a leader who you consider is exceptional, please send me a message. Go to mariburgess.com and click on connect. If you would like to know more about my leadership programs, including workshops and leadership coaching and my newly released 10 steps to go from doer to delegator, please contact me at murrayburgess.com. Thanks for listening to Leader Secrets Revealed podcast. If you would like what you heard, please leave a review in the podcast section at my website. It would mean so much to me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you've enjoyed today's show, please share the link with colleagues and friends or on your social media feeds and help others learn how to be great leaders Or if you're in a team, what a great leader looks like and how you can help develop that. If you know of someone that you think I should interview, please let me know via my website. Thanks.